You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on lines the deep left field. It is gone. It went deep right. Batista's going to wave goodbye. Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 166. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, We'll continue our over-under previews with Zach Plezak, Cal Quantrill, Jose Ramirez, and a couple others. We'll talk about Aaron Savali's new pitch. It's going to be changing from a standard change-up grip to a split change. See what a uh, little history of that pitch, some other players who throw it, and what that could mean for Savali and his arsenal. And, of course, we'll talk about Cody Allen, uh, the longtime Cleveland closer, leads the organization in save, 23rd-round pick, who turned into a pretty damn good closer. Probably didn't pitch long enough to be Hall of Famer, but he deserves to be remembered, so we're going to do that and talk about his career and place with the Indians. And we asked everybody on Twitter, on a poll, which position battle they're looking forward to the most in spring training. Got some responses from that. A lot of people's thoughts on the the several different battles going on, which we, we probably won't go too in-depth into it, but whoever wants to hear more about it over on Indians on Deck, they did talk about it more. They went through every battle, so joining me for all that and more is none other Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I got a new bandana, so that's what's going on with me. So, you know, it's a pretty, um, pretty big day in the rap- Rolfing household. Have you watched um, spring training interviews where how many... I don't know if they're wearing their, like, neck gaiters as bandanas, but bandanas are very big in Cleveland Indians training well, camp right now. Oscar Mercado has one. Josh Nelson has one. I started wearing them because I bought Josh a bunch to wear as masks, but it turns out they're bad at that, so now I just have cool <laughs> hair bands all the time. Yeah, aren't they actually worse? <laughs> Didn't they find they, like, split the particles and make it worse? Yeah, somehow, yeah somehow it's worse than wearing nothing at all, which I thought was pretty cool. I was like, damn, yeah. I just spent $8 on 12 of these. Shit. Well, that's why. I've, I've at least seen Oscar Mercado and Josh Naylor both have them. And I mean, that's how else was it? Oh, Phil Mayton, too. That is, a look that, that is a look that I want fucking uh, Josh Naylor just to rock all the time. That rules. <laughs> No, after the podcast, for you and anybody listening, you should go look at Phil Maton's interview from spring training because it was like all of his hair. Don't do it right now. But so anyway, uh, on the site, we've been talking. We've been doing these over-under previews. Of course, on the podcast, too, we've been doing them. But so we'll start with Zach Plezak, um, who zips projects him 27 games, 148 innings, a little under eight strikeout per nine, 2.6 walks per nine. I, I said he'll probably, I think he's going to get over this no matter what, basically. If he has, if he pitches this many innings, if he doesn't, I think he can um get over 2.3 war it's just another one of those things like with shane bieber where he does all these things that projections might not be able to catch up to he tunnels all these pitches well you actually wrote about it in depth last year that he has i did um he's just so good at hiding his release points and tunneling everything i think he's going to outperform all these he's just athletic as hell i think if anybody can if if, like we talked about last week with bieber like somebody's going to get to 200 innings again i think it can be like zach please just because he's so athletic and the, the downtime is not going to hinder him, I think, a whole lot. So this is a pretty easy over for me, I pick. Um, yeah, this is an easy over. I think he's one of the – I like watching him pitch just because he has such finesse, I guess. I think he's an yeah. incredibly smart pitcher. Uh, he's demonstrated a lack of smart in other, other aspects of his life. But I think once he takes the mound, he's absolutely brilliant. And he's going to continue to grow. He's still only, what, 24 or something like that? Uh, 26, so whatever. Who knows? All these... I mean, still, it's not like – it's not his prime right. yet even. He's still got a right. couple of years, so he can still Exactly. Grow. And, like, he's – the, the, I think the most astounding thing about him from um, 2019 to 2020 was just the leap that he showed in sophistication of what he was throwing. I think I wrote about this a few times last year. Just he's, you know, he's throwing fastball less even than like Shane Bieber is at this point. Uh, he's really featuring his, his secondary and tertiary stuff and trusting it, and it works. Uh, and so, yeah, no, I think this is well, they have a 2.3 wins. Like, come on now. Like, I mean, I think he's going to strike out 10 guys uh, per nine. He's going to walk two. Have some home runs, but all I, I don't think we have any home runs even because 
of the suppressed uh, offensive environment. I think he'll have an ERA in the, in the mid threes, probably at worst, and he'll be a four win pitcher. Like, I don't know. I, this is the new Robin to um, Shane Bieber's Batman that we've gotten used to with Kluber and, you know, insert other pitcher here over the last seven years or whatever it is. So, yeah, he is going to be an absolute monster. I think this year he's going to be, um, he's getting all star consideration, I, I'd assume, but yeah, he's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. This is one of the easiest um, overs, I think, that we have on the entire – even easier, I think, than uh, Bieber's, quite honestly, just because they were so bullish with him. But, yeah, man, this is this is insane. Nine and nine? Come on, he's going to win 20 games. I mean, come on, this is going to be crazy. Most people agree, too. 80% over, 18 under. That was pretty clear cut. That What, what are they people saying? What, 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 is the arm going to fall off? Is he going to violate <laughs> COVID-19 regulations three times and only pitch 20 games? What's going on here? Come on now. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty hard to imagine him finishing with a 4-5 ERA, which is basically what Zips has him at. So that's a pretty easy under. Um, I mean, the only places I think he could really under. demonstrate a lot of, I mean, growth, obviously, um, if his if his stuff gets better, obviously. I mean, that's what it is. But I think he demonstrated last year um, excellence as it was. Like, even though his ERA, he's not going to have a 2.28 ERA, ERA, but his fielding independent pitching was 339. Like, XFIP was 350. So it's it's assumed he'll be good. And, yeah. He's going to be good. Deal with it, folks. And the one thing you can look at, like, at his baseball savant page, the one thing that looks like it's going to regress is his barrel rate, which is that, like, everything else in his measurements is pretty much great besides his spin rate, which we know he doesn't have a ton of that anyway. But, like, his expected results, his hard hit rate, his expected exit velocity, all that is is at least 58 or higher percentile. A barrel, he got barreled a bunch. I don't know what to make of that, really, the fact that apparently they're hitting the ball the right way, but it's not going hard, I guess, is what you would say that means. Well, that happens with... I happens to Bieber a lot too, which is they don't hit the ball very much. That's the thing. It's percentage of the time when the ball is struck if it's a barrel. It's just, I mean, he doesn't throw, and we're going to get into this in a bit with Savala. You know, he's throwing less. The pitch he gets hit most of any pitch is a fastball, um, and he's just throwing less of those. Like, I, I think it would be awesome if he threw 34% fastballs and threw everything else instead. Like, you know, plow that into curve or something. I don't know. Who cares? But um, another year under his belt with um, Cleveland kind of watching what he does well and, you know, telling him to do that more. Because while he might have one of the firmer fastballs in the rotation right now, um, he just shouldn't throw it. Fastballs are stupid, and no one should ever throw a fastball. Um, our next one, Austin Hedges, catcher. This one's, I mean, we had a couple of fun ones in a row. This one's not very fun. It's what? <laughs> Zips put him at, it's Austin Hedges. He's a backup catcher. Zips put him at 330 plate appearances, which seems insane to me. Um which Zips is, it doesn't care about like roster yeah. spots or anything. I did look this up between, but so it's just kind of saying, I guess it's going on trends based on what he's played before, but I I just think he gets the under. This is just because I don't think he plays that much. Even if he does, I think like Zips projects him to be pretty awful offensively, which I think he would be. Um, a 61 WRC plus doesn't seem, maybe he'll do better than that. Maybe he'll slug a little better or walk a little better, but I think he's pretty close to that. I do think though, it's not that he's a terrible player. I think war doesn't value defense as much as it probably should and as much i'm sure cleveland has more advanced metrics than we do to measure this kind of thing because they have roberto perez and they lead on him so much in austin hedges they want to pay him so much money i mean comparatively to everybody else but so i think he'll be under the 0.5 war i also don't think he'll be just complete dead weight just because i think he's more valuable in ways than what we can measure right now of course we have like framing and stuff and um i'm sure i, I didn't look at Pakota, but i'm pretty sure they probably have him better than 0.5 war but yeah, either way i took the under on this one just because i don't think he plays that much and more doesn't value what he does i will take the over on this one i think he will play well i mean i just gotta take a quick look uh, last time we had a full season perez played 119 games like the, the fact of the matter is we're gonna see austin hedges 40 times right 
And I think he will get be, be worth more than half a win. I mean, will he hit much better than 206, 267, 375? No, probably not. Especially now that the offense is going to be suppressed this year, which I'm going to be hammering on forever until I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, but he's, you know, I mean, he'll have some playing time. He obviously will be kind of in fits and starts. And, you know, admittedly, it was a negative 0.1 war guy last year with, with 35 games under his belt. But, no, I think I can get the over on that. Not by a lot, but... Um, Roberto Perez is going to be 32. He just turned 32, and he's a catcher. And I know he hasn't caught a lot of games comparative to, you know, other seasons, but um, he's only caught more than 73 games once, and that was in 2019. We've had 119 now. Obviously, they had Jan Gomes as well. So, they might, honestly, that that might happen too, where they kind of do like a platoon thing in a sense. Not so much a platoon, quote-unquote, but like um, use both of them like 80 or so games. I think, this is, I think this is something we haven't really thought about very much, simply because uh, we just assume Perez is going to be the backstop all the time. But if they value catcher defense, uh, you can be, and and both of their catchers are garbage offensively, you can, get, can be pretty agnostic about who's behind the plate. Um, obviously, there's way more to it than just putting a guy back there. Is no, you know, there's no the, cat, the pitchers and relationship and understand the defense and everything like that. But I think there's a chance he's. He, I honestly think there's a small to moderate chance that he gets like. If more than fifty games played, Perez is under uh, under one hundred and ten games, and if that's the case, then he's he will cruise past any, any of these compiling projections at least. Um, our next one, I think, is a pretty easy a hammer. The over on this one is Cal Quantrill. Uh, I think he is one of the, if not exciting, just unique pitchers that we're going to be watching this year because of the way he throws a sinker slider. Obviously, a sinker it sinks more than other sinkers do. Most are like side to side with a two seamer, or no, other way around. His his goes um, side to side more than sinks. Those two seamers. Slider goes more up and down, which is kind of a unique thing looking at his arsenal is different. And also, Zips doesn't project ground ball rates, but I think like Steamer does. They have him at 43.8%. I think he can outperform that quite a bit. Um, Zips itself has him at 4.9 ERA, um, seven strikeouts per nine, 2.93 walks per nine, 33 games, 22 starting. So it sees him as starting as a starter at some point, going to the bullpen. Um, I, I think he starts the year as a pitcher and then, uh, or as a starter. And I, I would hope that he sticks there. If not, even if he does go to the bullpen at some point, I think his stuff plays better in the bullpen anyway. So even if he gets moved there, I think he outpitches this and he can beat the 1.4 war that Zips puts him at. Chris Davies took the under on this one. He made some good points. The fact that, I mean, we've seen Quantrill's pitched a little bit for San Diego, pitched some for Cleveland, and the results of, of the actual batting events have not been in Quantrill's favor. So maybe he's changed something, but if he hasn't, we've already kind of seen what his stuff does and then people can just hit it pretty pretty effectively. So I guess I'm just hoping that he's a, a unique enough combo that he has that he can work with it. Even if it's just two pitches, he also has a changeup he can use against lefties. But I think he can ride that to over one point, one and a half war and way better than almost five ERA. So I mean, I'm of two minds about this because there's a reason this sinker went out of vogue, right? Everyone's got so much better at hitting low balls and the high sinker just could hit anyway. But I don't know. Um, damn, this is a hard one. I've been thinking about this one all day. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I, I guess, I think I'm just getting caught up in the Cal Quantrill hype because I really want him to be good. He seems like a fun pitcher. Between the trades and the pitching, they deserve more than the benefit of that, right? Like when they, whenever they make a trade and they trade away one of our favorite players for something else, like it sucks, but they deserve the benefit of that. And when they, when they get a pitcher who no numbers here tell me that he's going to be any good, like he was. He had right. <laughs> two. Like, he had one time that he had an ERA under three sixty seven, even in the minors, and that was three forty eight. Like he's not even a good ground ball pitcher for a sinker baller. So I just I can't like it doesn't make any sense that he'd be good. No, I mean you know what, again it's a pitcher uh, with it Cleveland has now, and so I think less than like, assuming he gets one hundred and twenty five innings pitched, 
I think one one and a half wins above replacement is easy going for him. The strikeout rate, I mean, it seems low. Um, walk rate seems high. So yeah, and again, the home run rate thing um, will continue to be a bit of a bugaboo on these uh, on these projections because of uh, what I think is going to happen with the ball. But I will, I will take a I'll take a not a big over, but like a two win guy. Yeah, that's fine. I'll take it. Yeah, I and mean, that was another one. Um, same as above, eighty two percent over, eighteen under. So that was a pretty big. Um, people believe in Kyle Quantrill. I think we've. I think a lot of people are just excited about him. We you meant to talk about last week. We always have the um, what's the way you described it? The, the always one prospect that we want him to be good, and we follow him, kind of hype him up to ourselves. But Kyle Quantrill's like that for a pitcher right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which he's I want him to be good. Yeah, he's going to be a good one. I mean, I'm doing that to myself with Josh Naylor. Like, yeah, I, I, that's who, that's why I brought up what was the last time was um, oh Bradley Zimmer, of course. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, he's the one we kind of cling to, and then it's slowly yeah, fading. Yeah. But, but I, he's know, the Josh, Cal Quantro for me now. Yeah. As, as Josh Naylor is, is that's one I'm excited for. Like when I'm going to tune in to watch his spring training bats and then analyze them way too deep. I go. But he yeah. waited. Oh, he took that pitch this time. Very nice. So <laughs> write that down. Very talented. Um, <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'll take you over on that one. Yeah. So our next one, um, most likely, this is going to be the highest position player worn the team. Jose Ramirez. Um, Zips gives him a really good projection. Um, Six hundred nineteen plate appearances, thirty-two home runs, two eighty-seven, three seventy-three, five fifty-nine slash. That's one thirty-seven doing C plus, um, five point six WAR. That's that's really high. I also think that could just be like the baseline for Jose Ramirez. I think he he's so good. <laughs> like this, I I could see this as a good projection, but also the bottom. I don't think he goes under this unless there's as a disaster. But as long as he's gotten over whatever messed him up at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, I don't I don't see how he goes under this. Just because we say he's such a good hitter, messed him up at the end of 2018. He was an eight one. He was so good in Well, remember how good he could could have been if he didn't tank the last what was it a exactly. couple of months? He was just awful. Yeah, but. yeah he would have been runaway MVP winner probably that, that year. I mean, probably not because I think Mike Trout won that year. But um, yeah, I'll take the over on this one. Who cares, man? Come on. <laughs> I mean, goddamn, well, look how good they have his WRC plus. That's crazy to me. That's going to be ten points higher right there. He's gonna. Walk in the third. I mean, who's going to pitch to him anyway? Like that's the thing. The only thing he's going to see are home run pitches. Like shoot, man. It kind of puts him between the uh, what he was before, which is like Michael Brantley, where he he made a bunch of contact, didn't hit a bunch of hard balls, but would never miss anything. And and also what he is now, which is just like a, a home run powerhouse. So he's somewhere between the two, which is still a very good offensive player. But I think as a power hitter, fuck the dead ball. I think he's still going to crush home runs even with I it. I <laughs> it's um maybe just more alternative doubles for him just because of he can still hit the ball just so damn hard they're gonna go off the wall but my or, me and blake we we read him separately but we both kind of brought up the fact that mlb network didn't put him in their top 10 players like nobody did yeah, um, crazy. Corey seager was on some people's lists ahead of jose ramirez not to slander francisco lindor if he was traded but i think jose ramirez is better than lindor which Dude, I think most Cleveland fans agree with that at this point. Jose Ramirez is only 28 years old. So. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing. Like, he and he's is, still signed for a few years. He's the like he is incredible, absolutely incredible. Like, yeah, he signed for a few more years. Like he's putting together the first half of a, hall, a, a quite honestly a Hall of Fame career. Um, the 2020 is going to make uh, the WAR count look a little wonky, but he's been excellent now for six years basically, and. He's only he's not getting better and changing and evolving and uh, he was just so I, I know that he kind of got hot at the right time in 2020 but he probably would have cooled off a little bit and been back to like 146 WRC plus kind of a guy that he was in 2017 2018 but goddamn and I think the most impressive thing about him ever was how he turned around 2019 he went he was dog shit to be quite honest and then you look at his batting line now and you go oh, it's kind of had a weird down year that's weird. 
but no, he was just incredible for the second half. So yeah, I'll take the over on that one. Who cares, man? Yeah, the fact that he he changed his whole approach, it didn't work, and then he just casually changed it back and was better than before is just I mean, that shows you I don't know how you slow him down. Like if you if he gets figured out by pitchers, he'll just change again. And yeah. if the dead ball does impact him, he'll just find another way to hit more ball. He'll turn back into Michael Brantley because yeah, he can fine. just do I'll that. Just do this. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just hit I'll just hit three fifty this year then. Yeah. All right, fine. <laughs> you know, he, he that that level of, and same thing we were talking about with Pulisic, that level of like it's hard to really encapsulate that as athleticism. That's just what that is. That's that ability to respond things you know it's incredible absolutely incredible unabashed top dog and out of the damn lindor's shadow <laughs> and he should be a top 10 goddamn player in baseball um so 74 percent agree with that one 26 under for jose ramirez that's i think that was pretty easy over one uh our next one oscar mercado is not quite as easy as an over if you want to yeah, believe in him it's a tough um, one yeah, 523 plate appearances, 11 home runs, uh, 71 WRC+. Plus. I think he even mentioned this year, again, I was watching the the interviews in spring training. He's talked about how last year just kind of messed with his head. Just the fact that I don't think it's like he's mentally weak or anything. He's just he's just human. <laughs> it was a weird year, all these weird protocols. So maybe this year will be a little bit more back to normal. It'll help him out. Um, remember he mentioned at one point that uh, I think it was Michael Brantley helped. Or no, it was... Michael Brantley helped Lindor, and then Lindor helped Oscar Mercado, something like that. So we know that Oscar Mercado is just kind of like a nervous kid once in a while, which I imagine everybody is. But I would hope that once he gets over that, and if we're back to a normal year in 2021, he can be closer to what he was in his rookie year. Um, and again, it was, we're still talking about a guy who has you know 575 plate appearances as a major leaguer. 30, 93 of those were in the midst of a pandemic. So it's like, you know, that that's going to mess with things like your, your, you'll probably strike out more and the way the season was in particular, like the way, you know, the way relievers were being used. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm cautiously excited about him this um, season for Oscar Mercado. I, th- I think, I don't think he's going to break out and have like a, like a 125 WRC plus or something like that. I think he'd hit 250 with like a 310 on base percentage, which obviously again, we're just going look at this, you know, ooh. but that's basically league average. And uh, he played defense pretty good too. So I, th- I think I, I'll take, I'll take a slight over on that one. If he, if he can hold down center field and, and fend off Billy Hamilton, who doesn't have to play more than once a year, then that's a that that solves a lot of problems. If he can stay in center field, Eddie Rosario, one of the corners, and then Nolan Jones comes up eventually, that's like that's not the worst outfield in baseball, hopefully. Um, and, uh, not oh, to yeah. even mention Josh Naylor. And <laughs> we, we always forget it. Eddie Rosario. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like Josh Naylor and Daniel Johnson will be out there somewhere eventually too. So, I mean, if Oscar Mercado can can hold on center field, maybe they have a real outfield for once. Which or we'll maybe see. they're going to have an outfield of Rosario, Naylor, and Jones, or Rosario, Naylor, and uh, Naylor. Johnson. He's just everywhere. He's everywhere. He's going to force Rosario, Naylor, and Johnson sounds like a law firm. That's the most law firm he's done. It does there. actually. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the cadence of it really works well. Yeah, well, it's uh, probably a, like a personal injury. No, maybe they do taxes. Oh, definitely, it's personal. Yeah, they have a personal injury. They, they have commercials oh, yeah. and everything like that. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. Rosario, Oscar Mercado. What was it? Forty or sixty-six said over thirty-four under. I thought that'd be a little closer. I, I always thought I felt like more people were giving up on Mercado, but apparently not. A lot said over. Um, which I'm in, in experiencing these over-unders, it seems like um, this is probably as close to 50-50 as you're going to get. Yeah, that's true. That's like, th- to be quite honest, like it's either it's either 90-10 or 60-40. Like, one way there, and it's just because, I don't know, whatever, who knows. The internet, baby. Uh, our next one is somebody just didn't want to take the over on him on Saturday. I but whatever, told Mayor, you I was I'll... watching Fast and the Furious 6. Come on. It's fine. I'll take the under and just crush your boy because you didn't want to defend him in the comments. So, Yu Chang, 2021 over-under. I said under because I don't think he's going to play a whole lot. Even if he does, I think he'll be bad. <laughs> I want Yu Chang to be good. I think the power is exciting that he showed in the minors a little bit at least. But 
Um, he kills it in spring training. Maybe he'll do it again this year and win a role as a utility guy instead of Mike Freeman. I want that. I want him instead of Mike Freeman, but I don't even think he'll get to half a war in the 400 plate appearance that Zip gives him. So You will not receive him instead of Mike Freeman as a utility man. Rem- please remember who your, who your manager <laughs> is. <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> please, sir. Give <laughs> some recollection. Uh, yeah, you probably could take the underrun on this one. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest here. I think if he plays, I think he'll, he'll outperform some of these numbers a little bit. Although they're really sleeping, I mean, it's it's so hard to look at it because again, ninety seven career major league plate appearances with a thirteen point four percent walk rate. Like, goddamn, that's pretty weird. But the strikeout rate is also at twenty six percent. So if that's real, then that's a completely different story, quite honestly. And yeah, think, if he can walk that much, you mean? Yeah, exactly. And and then and start running with some balls and zim zim zoom. So you're right. I will take the I will take the over. Yeah, I'll even take the over. I would take the over on his on base percentage. I think he'll walk more than what Zips has in mind. I think that's pretty much legit. He's walked that much quite a bit against Major League pitching. He just hasn't homered yet, which we haven't seen, which maybe he won't. I still think it, it rounds He has homered once. He homered against the <laughs> Angels, actually. I don't even recall that home run. I usually remember when prospects hit like their first homer, like Bobby Bradley absolutely I, obliterated I bizarrely the ball. vividly remember that homer. <laughs> I don't even know why, but yeah, he had like three hits that night. It was, it was a great series for him. Yeah, I want you trying to be good. I've always, I've always wanted to be good just because of the power potential there. But I just don't. Like we've always said, with all the outfielders they have, if one of these infielders is going to play. I mean, if one of the infielders doesn't pan out, they're screwed because they have so many. Yes, um, but we know, said 15, that five years ago with their right. outfielders too. And <laughs> yeah. what happened? There you yeah. go. Fifteen percent set over eighty-five under. I think that was most of that. I think is playing time because nobody's like even you. You don't think we have that playing time, but. All right, man. That's our over-unders for this week. We'll talk about, um, if anybody wants to talk about those, you can go on Let's Go Tribe. They're posted every day until we're through with them. I added the other free agents at the end. The Indians have added our boy Brian Shaw, Eddie Rosario, who we keep forgetting exists, but he's there. Um, he'll be coming up soon. I'm good, too. So, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'll be a fun one. So, Aaron Savali, who I think is somebody that we both like quite a bit and have, have acknowledged that he, he, can, he can fix some things, but he's been a, a fun young pitcher. But um you told the the media last week quote i'm transitioning to a split change from a change up just a little bit better pairing with the pitches that i currently have there's some shortening of the arm path timing sequence there's a few things that are visibly different once we get in the game i'm sure you'll be able to see some of it it's a good transition pretty smooth um we actually saw some of that there was video posted of him throwing but yeah this is a really interesting thing i thought just because um uh, just splitters are rare in general now it's mostly like the pitchers coming over from japan use them um kenta maeda is the most popular one he his story is also really cool because he just threw a regular changeup too. And then 2018, he decided, I don't want to use this anymore. <laughs> and he switched over and now he has like one of the best changeups in baseball. Um, obviously, Carlos Carrasco used one and still uses one. Um, his is also kind of unique. It wasn't quite the same. Kind of my is probably the most pure split changeup in baseball by the grip. Carlos Carrasco is a little different. And Danny Salazar didn't even throw a split. He just had this weird thing that he did <laughs> that he got when he was a kid. It kind of stuck. But um all three of them, the point here and the point that Savali is probably trying to get at is that a split changeup will go straight down as opposed to not as much movement as a regular changeup when you do a circle change grip. So what Savali wants to do is just play it off his cutter um, sinker combination, which again, like was it Contra earlier, like Savali could probably deal to use a sinker less. So if you can get this changeup to work more, uh, work better, use his curveball more, maybe he can work that with his cutter. So um, I'll be interested to see what he does when we actually get into games. Like he said, when we see it in games, it'll make a difference, he said, but um it's really interesting because he's going to be changing his grip i would assume unless he's doing the salazar thing and just throwing a split ish change up but um it'll be fun to watch yeah no I, that um, pitcher list article you went to in the article you wrote it's they had an excellent point there that uh, at some point some pitcher is going to i uh, just stop throwing fastballs four seamers because why do it if you can't throw a 96 like and savali cannot 
Um, just throw garbage. Just be a total garbage man. You know, guys like uh, Kyle, Kyle Hendricks do, does this, I suppose. And honestly, if Cleveland can get their own Kyle Hendricks, I am ecstatic. I love watching that dude pitch. Yeah, anybody just loves junk is just good and fun like, to watch. Junk, good junk, good, tasty, delicious junk that's all high quality. Like, this is going to be fantastic. Like, his, this will allow his change to hide a bit more, I think, in the sinker. I think that's probably the goal here in particular. And, uh, no, it's, 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 this is one of the fun parts of especially getting to watch a team like Cleveland where, because I'm sure he didn't do this by himself, right? This wasn't just a thought he had one day. This had to have been a conversation he had with someone in the, in the pitching development department at Cleveland with Cleveland saying, you know, if he did maybe this instead. If, if it was some other pitcher, maybe, but I think Savali would maybe do this himself. There was even a call or article this week that Karen check just saw, um, the guy in the Astros who threw a bunch of curveballs in the playoffs that one year. Lance McCullers? I think so, yeah. He, and uh, Karen, Karen Check watched that and just Googled how to throw a change or a curveball. And then he did that. And now that's his curveball. Huh, well, <laughs> so I would maybe Savali did that. But also, I think even if he did, he could go to the Cleveland, just the, the pitch factory they have, any number of players, people right. there and ask how to do it. And then yeah, it, it, it could have been something he can, yeah, I, I, maybe I should do this instead because maybe you saw right, the, yeah. the effect Ma- like Maeda had and things like that. And then they said, he's like, I want to do this. They're like, okay, we'll just do this then. And all right. Yeah. And you could imagine in like a lesser organization, like, what are you talking about? That's not how we throw a change up. You got your stuff. It works. Stick with throw it. Throw your damn change. pitch. We won't, yeah. you, we don't need you to be an ace. <laughs> we need you to be a number three. Don't you want four aces? No, we tried that once. Yeah, we didn't win the World Series. So we're trying you damn kids get off stick. your phones. And looking at other pitches, <laughs> but no, it's, it's a lot of fun. These are the this is the fun part about having younger players and pitchers in particular. Um, you get to watch them change and get better at stuff. I mean, goddamn, look at how much fun was it to watch Corey Kluber become the superstar over like over a period of like three years, or more recently, obviously Shane Bieber. You're like, what the hell? Like, it was, that, that was a funny one in particular because it's just his first start. They kept they referenced uh, Corey Kluber, but uh, Tito was like. I'm only saying it because of his mentality, but it's actually because he's better than him. Uh, and now Savali's <laughs> doing this. And, like, I don't know. He's an absolute soulless monster, as far as I can tell. If he can do it, he can do it. He's good at spinning ball, spinning the ball, too. So he must have long fingers or something. So I imagine if you do a splitter, you're going to have. Because yeah. it, it is literally like you do a Vulcan symbol. And then you grip I'm, I'm it. Gonna it's go, it's I'm gonna, painful I'm gonna, looking. I'm going to go to a game. And you, well, Aaron, how big are your hands? <laughs> Show me your hands. Show me your fingers. Hey. <laughs> hey. I got this rule here. Can you touch it for I, me? Can you just you, – you can measure and tell me the number. Anything. <laughs> also measure all the other pictures because I need a frame of reference. So, thank you. <laughs> that seems like something that – I know the NFL does the combine where they – they probably measure too many things, but I'm surprised baseball doesn't do that more when they have, I'm sure they do when they're drafting. No, and stuff. Dude, everyone just measures their, your gumption. Come on. You, you know, <laughs> measures you, your grit. Yeah. Got know, a grit level. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're like, how big are your hands? This big. It's pretty big. Good. All right. <laughs> Sweet. Great. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, it'll be fun to watch. And like the pitcher, it'll pitcher list article Their Their whole thing too, was the fact that Mike Agito, he wanted him to play off his, he wanted to use his curveball more basically and quit using the sinker. We all want that, um, obviously. Of, yes. of course. Yeah. But this is a, just another way. Uh, this is almost better. I think if you can get the drop on your changeup and have another pitch instead of just the curveball, like that's three levels of you've got your cutter going one direction and then your changeup and curveball dropping two different rates that's and the other thing like if he has a regular changeup, it doesn't do anything for him because he like you said he can't throw gas so it's not like he has a 15 mile per hour difference on his changeup and fastball so might as well make the thing move yeah he's the thing that can hide in his other pitches so you know that, that's that's really what we need here is just pitches that do different you know they do the same thing but then don't do the same thing and, then we, and he can get his own pitching ninja uh, graphic where the, the pitch ends up in the four different corners of the strike zone 
But yeah, another thing that happened this week, which which you wrote about, is Cody Allen calling it a career. Cleveland's career save leader, drafted in the twenty third round. You also noted what's the was a high point. University College. High Point Just... University, home of the largest chest of drawers. <laughs> and Cody Allen. We got drawers and Cody Allen. But I he retired. so much about a place in the middle of goddamn nowhere. <laughs> it was fantastic. I enjoyed that little route down uh, Cody Allen's history. Because it is, it's a thing. He just kind of came out of nowhere, both physically and baseball E. He was a late-round pick. He wasn't a closer right away, obviously. but He was a late-round pick and then a later-round pick. I think that, that, that is the part that I think gets glossed over a little bit. He fell backwards, and that's just – I don't get it. I mean, like I said in the article, like I, he, I hesitate to say he, doesn't have, he didn't have like a projectable frame because he is still 6'1", he's like 200 pounds, but like that's not huge in baseball terms or sports terms. It's normal size, basically. But, uh, yeah, no, he just kind of came out of nowhere and then uh, – that draft was insane, man. That that um, the 2011 MLB draft, like the number of players who were in that, are absolutely who touched the, the who touched Cleveland like directly. Um, Trevor Bauer, obviously, but it's just so many names in there. Just, Wasn't that the Lindor draft too? Wasn't yeah, it was Lindor. Lindor. Yeah, exactly. I think Brian Shaw was drafted this draft too. But like, that's like one of the all around deep drafts too, isn't it? It's not like just Cleveland. It's it's like everybody, I think, is crazy in that draft. Yeah, like Javi Baez went one after George Springer's in there. Uh, Brendan Nimmo, if you hear about that. Highest pick to date for a player from Wyoming. Jose Fernandez was in that one. Sonny Gray. I just player after one player about Jackie Bradley Jr. Like, uh, yeah, no, it's truly really an amazing draft. And buried down in the 23rd round is a man who is effectively the, you know, I mean, you could argue one of the three or four best closers in Cleveland history. So, yeah. Pretty pretty impressive career all in all. I'm, you can't hate him. Yeah, and then never made an all-star team, which I just realized today, which seems insane that he was – because he doesn't have longevity to be like a Hall of Famer. He's not going to get a statue or be in the Hall of Famer thing. But he was – like that five-year span, there was very few people better than him. Part of that, I guess, was Andrew Miller was there and kind of buried him. But also, I mean, it's reversed. If Tito's even said that if he didn't have Cody Allen and Brian Shaw doing what they do, he wouldn't have been able to use Andrew Miller the way he did. Um, and then – Cody Allen just doesn't get an all-star game. I guess that's because probably because he was a closer and they were better quote unquote closers. So they just didn't include him. but it seems kind of dumb that he didn't get one. But uh, I mean, he also had 2016 was probably the best, um, obviously the best month of his career, 13 innings pitch, 24 strikeouts, five walks, no earned runs, including, I think he closed out a one Oh game in the play in the, the world series. I think he pitched a couple innings in the, the game seven loss too. So um just a ridiculous pitcher all around. He, he pitched with the Angels. It was a disaster. Um, they they DFA'd him partway through the season. And then he bounced between the Cubs, Twins, and Rangers in the minor leagues last year, but didn't make it anywhere. Which, if you couldn't make it in 2020 as a reliever somewhere, as an established <laughs> reliever, it's I get it, Cody. It's time to go. <laughs> That's probably what made him realize it. But, but yeah, I guess even – I would assume that would have been Brian Shaw that retired before Cody Allen, um, just, just based on mileage on the arm. But Brian Shaw is still kicking, and Cody Allen's now retired. You know who the first batter that Cody Allen faced was? Who's that? Matt Wieters. That's a fun one. <laughs> Joe Maurer with power. I remember that when he came up. That was his big thing. He was not Joe Maurer with power, as it turned no, out. He, he was a good catcher. By four wins in 2012 with the, uh, with the, the Orioles. Cody Allen's first appearance, walk, walk, ground out, strike out, ground out. So there you go. A classic... Uh, classic outing by our boy <laughs> which yeah it, it, everybody was so mad at cody allen all the time even when he uh, of course now that he's retired everybody loves him it's nobody will admit that they hated him for long stretches of time but there's no reason to hate cody allen he was a great closer Co- being a, 
I, I think I mentioned in the article, like not a, no closer is going to be Mariano Rivera. And that son of a bitch made it much harder to be a closer for everyone else because it's like, what? What do you want from me? He had a perfect pitch. So you want a guy who can go out there and, you know, get three outs pretty easily. And I, I think Cody Allen did that. I mean, I've wrote about it you know, in the article. Again, he did that better than all but like maybe four or five different pitchers for a span of time there that led to Cleveland making it to the World Series, where he was, I think, a, a vital key in allowing um, Cleveland to kind of navigate the fact that they only had one good starting pitcher. Like, that's um, important, I think. And he was, I don't know, it, it'll be hard to find it. Now, of course, they have Cody Allen jacked up to 11. So, uh, <laughs> which is fix what? That issue pretty, yeah. Yeah, fix that issue pretty <laughs> quickly. But, I mean, you know. Cody who? I never heard of him. <laughs> so, I think, I think that that's, I, I won't say it's sad. It's kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's, it's funny that he will so immediately obliterate any like memories of Cody Allen because he's just so insane like in every single way. So and he is too. He's he's exactly Cody Allen jacked up to eleven. <laughs> yeah. he High fastballs and just ha- hammer ass curve and it's just he's just insane. Whereas Cody Allen was just very calm looking all the time. I don't think I, I, I don't have memories of him getting like hype about things. But now, I wonder if if Karen checks over the topness and just craziness will does that help him as far as people that are going to hate him when he loses games as saves? Like they're going to be focusing on that, that he's just this fun, crazy guy instead of Cody Allen, who is so quiet and you only really notice him when he loses. I feel like if you're, you're Karen Jack and you have this big personality and you're biting your glove and flip it and all that stuff, people talk about that more than just the games you blew. Cause that's part of the thing I think with Allen is that he pitched so well so many times, but nobody paid attention to it just because he was so consistent, but he'd walk out there through and walk in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's very quiet about everything, you know, thinking about the, Gigantic chest of drawers he's going to build later. <laughs> Great, Merritt. Uh, this week, we asked our poll question uh, at Let's Go Tribe. We want to let people know what they thought of spring training. Um, we asked, which spring, which spring training position battle are you most interested in? We said fifth starter, outfield, first base, or bullpen. Um, outfield came away with the vast majority of this one, 59.1%. Um, I thought it'd be a little closer. A lot of people also noted the fact that um, the two are kind of tied, like first base and outfield. What happens in one will determine what happens with the other because of Josh Naylor and because of Jake Bowers. Um, so, like, if Bobby Bradley comes away with first base, wins it immediately, and that's it, then you've got uh, Bowers and Baylor or Naylor working in somewhere in the outfield. If if Bobby Bradley's just terrible and first base is open, maybe then you have Naylor and Bowers working out there. So it all depends really on Bobby Bradley in a way. Um, but yeah, so not a lot of people care about the bullpen, which I kind of agree with. It's it's a bullpen. It'll be shifted around a lot. Indians have proved they can put anybody back there, and that in like the first or the top three or four positions already taken, like effectively. Like we, we, we the, the names we're going to see the most of. Write them down. You think of Fred Ben and Penn. You're, you'll be fine there. But yeah, I just can't believe that people were that interested in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like a. It's just we've had it every year now that it's not really something I'm excited about anymore. First base is the one I voted for because I want to see Bobby Bradley and see if Jake Bowers is different now. Like if he worked at something in the um the extended training site and if if because uh, he has no more options so he's going to be somewhere they're going to dfa him and hope he gets through waivers or just stick him at first base so i want to see what happens there i'm excited about bobby bradley big bobby dinger big bobby dingers um but also jake bowers whatever happens there i didn't really think of it that way uh in terms of like i'm excited to see the young players see if they've developed in any way to get better right like you mentioned with um well bradley bowers or naylor like any one of those three i want them to turn into I don't know. A George Springer-esque offensive player? Why not? Is, is that so much to ask? No, it's not. <laughs> just want one uh, George Springer. Come on. Just one, please. Uh, so that's more of a like a developmental thing. I don't know. I just 
I'm always excited to see who, that, who, who the fifth starter is going to be because I we've gotten such amazing performance out of the uh, the team's ability to develop pitching. It's always fun to see what they do with another uh, scrap heap guy, or it ends up being Adam Plutko. So it's uh, that, that's that's definitely got an ebb and a flow action to it. But that would have been my choice, my choice, quite honestly, because. I think it's because I'm tired of thinking about the outfield. It could be part of it as well. So I'm just like, please, no. Just <laughs> It's it's more anxiety-inducing than anything because the fact that Billy Hamilton might win a spot out of spring training is just gives me heart palpitations. So it's, it's, I'm also not excited about it for that reason. I mean, are we really even w- wondering about more than one spot on the outfield? You know, because like Billy well, Hamilton is going to be a bench guy. Well... Is he? Well, I mean, Tito told him that if <laughs> I it's somewhere I saw that Tito told him if if Oscar Mercado doesn't win it or Bradley Zimmer doesn't win it, he could he should be ready to get a few starts out there, which is terrifying. But um, I would hope it's only right field we're trying to fill out, but it might be center too. But I don't want I don't want Josh Naylor to play right field. He's slow. <laughs> no, it's, uh, this what's it? We're running into the problem if we're running out of spaces for these maybe good, maybe not great players. And in the comments uh, at Hoodring, Zach, he said the spring training battle I'm most interested in is the one in my head between being optimistic, believing this team can win a World Series on accident, or being realistic and just hoping for a winning record. Which I feel that a lot. <laughs> it's, Listen, um, guy on Twitter, it is February the twenty second as we record this. There is no space for anything except unbridled optimism. <laughs> once, true, the game, yeah. well, once the fake games are getting played, then we can start getting worked up. Like, all he does is strike out or things like that. Or his velocity is shit. You know, stuff like that. But right now, World Series. Five wins. Easy. Easy. <laughs> Taking game. the over. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just so hard watching him strip down and then trying to be excited about again in spring training. I am. I'm excited about the team, the, the parts that we can be excited about. But there's just so much that. They could have done, which I think is depressing. But oh yeah, I know. I mean, this is one of those things where it, it behooves one to not reflect on things. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop reflection. It's just not you know, good. It's like I was having a conversation with my wife over the weekend. It's just like you know, every now and then we just got to like when you're not doing anything, you kind of sit up and start off in this page like, "Good lord, this has been an entire goddamn year." Uh, we're just, I'm like, <laughs> it, it behooves one not to think about what's been happening the last year. Just focus on something stupid. There's a reason I'm playing Grand Theft Auto Four again. Like I need a distraction, so. Uh, it, 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 it's it's healthy to think about the positives and not the fact that they just traded away what could have been a franchise cornerstone and also everything else that they've done. And like, let's not focus on that. Let's just ignore. and the fact no, that they no, won't no, be able no, to resign no, no, Shane no. Bieber and he'll be gone in a couple of years. Let's not think about that. Just think about this year. It'll no, be fine. Of course not. No, this is fine. Everything's good now and we're moving forward and up, <laughs> onward and upward. And you know, it's not like these teams make any money. I mean, come no, on, they're poor. They're, they're, they're all poor. All of them. Did you see that poor small market San Diego team couldn't even sign their shortstop to a long term deal? It's I know. Very sad. Only, yeah, couldn't even get him four hundred million dollars. Very sad. How sad? How how incredibly sad. <laughs> uh, at Fran Mill Reyes or Fran Mill's eyebrow, Lamole. We can make a thing out of anything now. Uh, he said, "I think first base is crucial. Are you going to give Bowers and Bradley a shot before giving it to Josh Naylor every day? Josh Naylor should be in the lineup every day and experimenting with Bowers and Bobby Bradley is risky. Is it worth platooning Josh? You can figure out what you have at first base." That's, I mean, it's, that's sort of what we said, but also I think it's between the three of them. I guess Josh Naylor is the least volatile, isn't he? <laughs> Unless Jake Bowers really fixes. You know something. what I love about Josh Naylor is his nothing, nothing in his batting line anywhere screams this guy is our <laughs> offensive fucking threat. This is our threat right here. Like this is our boy. He had, <laughs> oh my god. Again, I'm a big nay head, uh, but this is not. Uh, but I mean, between the three, who else is more reliable? Is Jake Bowers? I guess he probably has a higher floor than everybody else. 
if you're going that route, Bobby Bradley probably has the highest ceiling and Josh Naylor is just somewhere in the middle is the way I would put him, I guess. I would, um, I'm just looking at his numbers real quick. I think that honestly, Josh Naylor has a higher floor than Jake Bowers. And that's not a very nice thing to say, but what are you going to do? I mean, it's what we've seen. If something changed with Bowers, then sure, we can change. But right, exactly. based we on did. what we've seen, it's not. We literally right. haven't seen him in, in like right. two years, effectively. I mean, Naylor definitely hit when he was in the minors. I mean, his last minor league season, you know, 54 games, he hit 314, 389, 587, 547, which is, I mean, that's better than anything uh, Bowers put together offensively in the minors, right? Bowers was pretty good in the minors, wasn't he? I figured. I feel like that's why we were excited about him because he he walked a lot in the minors. I think we were excited about him because we were uh, because we had um, what's his name stolen from us, so we had to get worked up about that's this. True, yeah. No, no, Jake Bowers is really good in the minors. Holy cow! He, he was too. good, but he never hit for a lot of power. Like he 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 never had a second percentage over what four twenty six at any given time. It was all projectable because he's still only, he was only twenty years old, whereas Josh Naylor, who was younger, uh, was much more you know, was better offensively. And the environment's a little bit different, obviously, because he was playing in a different uh, yard and not Pacific Coast League stuff like that, but still. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. If you haven't already, if you're on Spotify, iTunes, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Matt RLY. Merritt is at Merrill Lunch, like Merrill Lynch, but with the lunch. At Let's Go Tribe on Twitter, Facebook, where you find, of course, letsgotribe.com. Uh, Merritt, talk to you next week. I'll be there.